Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, good morning and welcome to the Loft. I'm glad you took some time out of this cold morning to come join us up here. And as we just worship, as we celebrate, and we, we dive in a little bit deeper into what this He Is is all about, hopefully uh, you'll be uh, engaged enough to be able to take that next step this morning. But um, one of the things that I've noticed as we've taken this journey with He Is, is it all depends on what kind of lens you look through how you're going to enjoy Christmas. And, and so these are my kids' lenses. Uh, these are those little funky glasses that you put on, and, and, you know, everything sort of just, like, turns into, like, you guys are all now snowmen. So, I mean, it's, that's just what it does, you know. Uh, these are really cool, but th- if you look at the lights, it literally, everything is blurry. But if you take them right back off, it, of course, you're now back to normal. Uh, but we also have some that are reindeer glasses. That's pretty fun. You look at every light in the world, and everybody's face is turned to reindeer. And we have some as snowmen like these, and we have some as Christmas trees. Uh, but but the, the lenses we look through, the lenses we get to look through, allow us to gain a perspective of what it might be or what it might not look like. And so I just thought, you know, what, 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 a, what a wonderful way to, to start off this morning, especially talking about Everlasting Father, as we dive in and start to really just look at a couple things. And, and maybe you, you, you received a gift a long time ago. Uh, and I know that we have some people that are a little bit older and wiser in years, but if we can go all the way back to the 1900s, that sounds funny to say that, but it's just an, all the way back to the 1900s, into 1950, uh, you know, there's some gifts that, that were like the most popular gift in the world at the time. And these gifts were amazing. And some of us know them as uh, the Barbie doll. I mean, the Barbie doll has now been around for a couple of years, but she came out in full force in 1950. I mean, it's pretty cool. It was the most popular doll on the face of this planet, and it just went crazy in stores, and people were trying to get them. Uh, but the unique thing, if you, you know, the Barbie doll itself is cool, but if you have the case, man, that's even cooler. I mean, you were worth, you got some money sitting in the bank if you have the original case. But the other funny thing that was really neat about the 1950s is this is a little potato that came along, and they put glasses just like this on it, and now he's called Mr. Potato Head. That's right, man. We still play with Mr. Potato Head. And some are like, this is the greatest story in the world. I'll keep it forever. It'll last for ever, right? And then 1960s come along, and there's this little red thing. It's got those two little dolls on it, you know, and you draw images on it. and Yeah, etch a sketch. So, I mean, and the other crazy thing that came out during that season was the easy bake oven. You get to, you know, make your own little pies and little cookies, and you put them in those little thing, a little light bulb comes on, and you got a fresh little cookie one at a time. I don't know if I would like that very well, uh, but I remember my my sister getting one when she was a kid, and, uh, you know, it's just crazy to know that came around way back before my sister was even born, but, uh, it's just neat that it was way back in. But the most important, you know, uh, toy that came out during this season uh, was, was is dear, near and dear to my heart because it's more than meets the eye. And that's right. It's G.I. Joe. They're, they're, not, they're not dolls. They're action figures, guys. I mean, they are legit. They are real deal. You know, you got Cobra. It's just awesome. G.I. Joes are awesome. And we're going to last forever. I had some of these toys when I was growing up, and we used to play like crazy. And, and, but they're, they predate me, but it's just neat. And then the 70s came along, and there's just a little, little square thing, you know, and you just do start doing this. Yeah, the Rubik's Cube, man, it came along, and it just full force. It just, man, these toys are going to last forever. And, and then the other toy that came out during the, the, this time period, it, it literally has redefined my house right now. And it, it is, no, Legos have redefined my house. But the Nerf 
games came out. The Nerf football, the Nerf little shoot. I mean, all this stuff came out back in this time. And I was like, this is crazy. I didn't even know it came out that day. But it did. And the Nerf came out. Right now, our house is full of little Nerf darts everywhere. But the best thing that came out in the 1970s, the best toy was Star Wars. You better believe it, man. It's Star Wars action figures came out, and it just sort of redefined Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, R2-D2, the whole, everybody, man. They all came out. People were playing with them. And these toys, you know, I can only imagine, these things are going to last forever. And then the 80s come along. This is the generation that I sort of grew up in, and don't make fun of me, don't judge me. I will, mm, I will bust you because I love my Cabbage Patch dolls. I still have them. Don't make fun of me. I still got my Cabbage Patch doll. It's somewhere in my mom's house, but I got them, you know. I, I, my, my, one of my uh, aunts from Arkansas made us one. And so, yeah, I got my Cabbage Patch doll, and don't make fun of me. So, uh, but the other thing that came along during this time period is Transformers, man. And I remember getting Transformers, Autobots, you know, Decepticons, and we used to play all kinds of things. We made up all kinds of crazy things. But also Thundercats, if anybody remembers, Ooh, you know. So, you know, yeah, see, I know some people remember those things. And then the 1990s come around. This is the more season for me that I really start to listen and pay attention and look at things and evaluate things. And there's this craze that came along that were going to last forever, right? You know, these Beanie Babies. I mean, do y'all remember these things? I mean, these things were nuts. These things were selling for thousands of dollars. I mean, you, you, people were fighting people over them. It was, it was crazy. Beanie Babies were was, was it, you know? And then all of a sudden, this other little creature came along. It was one of the greatest cartoons of all time. They still talk about him. People still do. And he's because he goes to infinity and beyond. And his name is Buzz Lightyear. That's right, you know? Uh, it, it's crazy. You know, we still, we still have these things around. But there's this one little item that he just laughed and he giggled and actually fights broke out in Walmart everywhere. And his name was... Tickle me, Elmo. That's right, man. He, you know, he's crazy. Have to think about people, actually adults, fighting in Walmart over a Tickle Me Elmo. I mean, I remember seeing stores go down. And I, if I'm right, I remember people getting shot over this thing. It was crazy in the 90s, you know. But we haven't moved very far from that, it seems like it. But it's just nuts that we will fight over a doll or a little Tickle Me Elmo that just, ha, ha, ha. You know, it's, I don't get it, but hey, that's just who we are. We're full of sin sometimes. And then the 2000s come along. And I didn't, I didn't really get into this, but I remember these things. But um, these little Zuzu pets, I mean, this is crazy, you know. I mean, it's just a little animal. It's just, it's just weird. And then there's the Bratz dolls. I mean, that's, I don't get it. But again, um, it is. But the one thing that I did get, but it's kind of funny. It's not even a thing right now. But a lot of people got like, you know, uh, Wee-itis because they were playing so much of it. You know, the Wii came out. And I remember people selling these things for like thousands of dollars because kids wanted them. And, 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 but they were going to last forever. That's what they kept on saying. All these toys are going to last forever, you know. And now where are they? In the closet? In, in your house? In the garage? In yard sales? In yard sales, right? This is past summer. We had a yard sale at our house. And Buzz Lightyear made it to the, the, the bucket. And, 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 and I actually walked around there, and I saw Buzz Lightyear, and on the bottom of his foot, it says M-A-X. And I looked at it twice, and I said, and I actually reached in, grabbed it, plucked it out, and put it back in our bin, you know, our keep bin. And I was like, how in the world did he get out there? But, you know, we, we, we hoard things, and it sort of lasts forever. And, and you know, hopefully it would be passed on for, for, for Maximus to give away to his kids. But, you know, some of those toys, honestly, they end up in landfills, Right? They, they, they get trashed, and the same lenses that we said, oh, man, this is the greatest gift in the world, now is what? A thing of the past. It's not, even, it's not even a hot item anymore. We, literally, you could buy one for nothing now. It, it's not even a thing. 
There's other toys that have taken over. And see, the truth is this. Not all toys will last forever. And even this, if we take it a step further and we dive into relationships and we look at relationships, you know, earthly relationships will not last forever. But in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus is said to be something in three different ways that allows us to have a snapshot of where we're going today. And it says Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And he's not going to break. He's not going to rust or get lost. He is strong. He is mighty. And he is everlasting. And so today, as we sort of just take a a step into this season, another step, um, the significance of this weekend for those who claim to be Christians is huge because right here before we celebrate the birth of Christ, uh, not just that he is a baby Jesus wrapped up in swaddling clothes and wrapped in a manger, it's because this is a moment in history when God invades our world and becomes man through the person of Jesus Christ. And it begins his journey to the cross to die for your sins and mine. And that is a significant moment in history. And see, over the past several weeks, we have looked into Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And if you don't have your Bible, there's some back there at Connection Point, uh, and you can grab one if you need one. And by the way, I just want to just throw this out. Some of your resources that you, you give back at the end of the sermons and you give back here to Centerpoint, uh, we have been able to give away over hundreds of hundreds of copies of, 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 of a hard print copy of the Bible into people's hands who desperately want one. And it, that just uh, says volumes to who we are and we want to be able to do that and so uh, the, the beautiful thing about that it, 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 it presents the potential for the Holy Spirit to see change lives that change lives and I just want to say thank you for being a part of it because they just told me the other day hey we need more and uh, that means another case has, has basically uh, been distributed and so that's just awesome and I just want to say praise God. So if you have your Bibles if you're not hopefully you have them on the U version on your cell phone or the Olive Tree Bible apps and, and, or it's right behind me on the screen and before we read this I just want to bring us into context of the meaning of this verse and how powerful it is for us to come alongside this morning because this is a prophetic verse looking into the birth of Jesus Christ and looking forward of who he really is. You see, the book of Isaiah is one of the most important books in the Old Testament. Um, little is known of, of the personal life of the prophet. However, he is considered to be one of the greatest of prophets of all time because he reveals um, to us some of the names that he has and some of the attributes of the names that can literally and has redefined history. Um, and so we, as we read this aloud, I hope you realize today the implications about the birth of Jesus and who he is even 700 years before he was born. And so Isaiah chapter 9, 6, it says this. It says, for to us a child is, what, a child is born. And it says, to us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called, what, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and Prince of Peace. Now, that was pretty weak. I know there's not many people up here this morning because of the weather, but I think we can do it just a little bit better. Let's just pick it up. And he will be called, what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now then, I just want you to take that in. 
I want you to take that in, especially the part about everlasting Father. He will be called Wonderful, Mighty, Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father, translated into Hebrew, would be Abba Ad. Abba Ad. And the word Ad literally means eternity. A better translation of this would be Father of Eternity. And so over the past couple of weeks, we have Mighty God, which is El Gibber. And we have Wonderful Counselor, which was what? Pele Yatset. And now we have Abba Ad, the Father of Eternity. And all of a sudden, Jesus is now being referred to us as a Father. It makes us very, very personal, doesn't it? It sort of changes the whole picture, the lens we're looking through. It sort of changes everything because he went from being mighty, he went from being what? Wonderful, now he's a father. And then here it gets real personable to us because if you've ever had a father, I mean, this is, that's just a general question. If you've ever had a father, raise your hand. I mean, for everybody in here, that, that, if you're here, you, you've had a father. And of course, we all had. And, and, and so all of a sudden, here's Jesus revealed to us as another father in our own lives. And just that word father provokes images, doesn't it? And memories and emotions begin to churn up inside your stomach. And maybe for you, the memories and the images of your earthly father were fantastic. And maybe they wasn't. Maybe dad was, uh, when you think about him and you got some of your great memories, and, and, and I can tell you this, as a father myself, and I think I speak for all of us uh, dads out here, it's not, being, it's not easy being a dad. Um, we're far from perfect, even though sometimes we think we are, um, and, and, and we, we make our a share of our mistakes in, in life. And if you grow up and you look back on your father and the memories that you, you have are good ones, be thankful. Be thankful. What more could we ask for in a dad, a provider, a caregiver? But the reality is, is not all of us have had those type of kinds of memories about our father. And, and so suddenly, suddenly, when we think about our father, our good and perfect father, far from perfect or not good at all, what we tend to do is we tend to project that image of our earthly father onto our everlasting father. And I would say we, we, we begin to, to look at Jesus, our everlasting Father, through the lens, through the lens of our earthly Father. And it sort of distorts the truth a little bit. And we begin to look at him through this and things start to you know, look kind of weird because this is what our earthly Father looks like. And we begin to look at him and we really believe that Jesus, our everlasting Father, is just like Dad. And as a father, a man, what scares me is that if I blow it, if I blow this for my kids growing up thinking that Jesus is just like dad, but when I do that, when we project that onto him and we look through these lenses of our earthly father and we see our everlasting father is just like that, that that can be a very dangerous place to be for my children because all of a sudden things can get kind of foggy, kind of gray, and we don't see him very clearly. Because we look at him through the lens of our earthly father, and when we do that, it's a very dangerous place to be. And I pray and hope, I, I just point everything I have back towards our heavenly father. 
And when we look at Jesus, our everlasting father, through the lenses of our earthly father, and for many of us, when we do that, we look through the lenses of our earthly father. And you can you write this down if you're taking notes. We just, we just may see a father who is never satisfied. A father who is never satisfied. The, the words, I love you, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm proud of you, were elusive to you as a child. Like a child trying to reach out and touch the moon, you just could never find them or grab them. And your dad never said those words. And somehow you began to just, just to be perfect for dad all the time because you were so, you so coveted those, those words, his acceptance or his affirmation, but you're never going to be able to hear him because you just couldn't reach him. You see, my dad was a very good man, wonderful man. But he was a normal man, and he made some mistakes. And one of the mistakes that I feel like he made along the journey is he couldn't express his affection and his affirmation in words to, to love on his kids in a way that allowed us to experience it. This is not a knock on him whatsoever. It's a, it's a byproduct of who and how he was raised. And however, now he's a different man. I'm telling you right now, he crawls around on the floor with his grandchildren and he laughs on them. He loves on them. He loves on us. And, uh, but I'm telling you, that's not the man that I grew up with. It's not. I think Jesus has changed his life. But now I, I didn't realize this until I was an adult in college and into seminary. But what I realized looking back is that this began to make me perform for my dad. And I had to begin to try to do everything uh, perfect to get it just right because I wanted my dad to be proud of me and to tell me that he loved me. From flying airplanes to working on things in, in the business or to driving tractors on the farm and doing things that probably I didn't know how to do just to do them and just show them I could finish a project or do something even more or even going the extra mile and doing things, you know, working in different areas. And I just wanted to hear those words, well done. And I believe many of you have experienced the same thing. And you've performed for your dad. However, for whatever reason, he just couldn't get it out of him to show you that type of love that you needed. And maybe even you went to the point of rebellion to get your dad's attention. And now we've taken that same perspective and we bring it into our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we don't really believe that God is, is, is truly satisfied with us. So we, we try to do what we, we can to get him to love us. And so when we look at our everlasting father through the lenses of our earthly father, not only we, may we see a father who's never satisfied, but when we, we look at him through the, the lens of our earthly father, we may see a father who also is angry. And maybe dad was home. Maybe dad was home, and he came home from work, and, and it was like walking on eggshells around your house. Maybe some of you experienced that. Maybe it was, it was whispering just to get around dad. It was busy because you know dad. And any moment, he could fly off the handle and start yelling full of anger, right? And maybe your dad said words to you like, you're never going to amount to anything. You're a loser, we never meant to have you in the first place. You're a mistake. And it just broke you on the inside, and that wound has never, ever healed. 
The truth is, is, is statistics today tell us that there are a number of you in here this morning sitting that have not only experienced those painful words from anger from your earthly father, but statistics also tell us that a lot of you are sitting here today that have experienced actions of abuse. And some of the stories that I've been able to hear over the past couple years have truly tested me from every angle, and especially just my reaction muscles in my body, because I just want to go beat somebody. Because what father would sexually molest their own kids? It's horrible. It's depicable. And not a true father-like behavior whatsoever of a caregiver and a provider. It just upsets me so much, and I'm sorry that's happened. And if that's you and it's been your journey and you're looking through those lenses to Jesus as your everlasting father and you have been, you've got that bad taste in your mouth and you've got that womb, I just can't blame you. And I'm sorry, I'm just, my heart pours out for you. I'm sorry. You see, when we, when we look at him, when we look to Jesus, our everlasting father through the lenses of our earthly father, it can really mess things up for us this morning. We might see a father who is never satisfied, a father who is always angry. And when we look through him through the lenses of our earthly father, we may as well, for many of us, this is probably affects all of us, that we may see a father who is seldom there. Maybe as a child you grew up of a victim of a divorce. And all of a sudden, dad, who's, who is he? He's, he's now, but now he's not. And I mean seldom there or or not at all. Or maybe it was worse than that. Maybe dad was uh, practically ripped out of your family for some odd circumstance. And you were forced to grow up without a dad being there. He missed out on your first basketball game or baseball game. Maybe he missed out on that first prom date. Maybe missed out on marriage. Or now the grandchildren. He wasn't there. He wasn't there to sit by your bedside and read you stories or put his arm around you when you were in pain and, and pain was just surrounding you and there was nobody there to protect you. And maybe your journey has, has not been that extreme, but maybe it has this morning. We've all got our own story, was what I figured out. But just for a second, just for a second, lay down the stories and then lay down those lenses and let's give Jesus a new lens this morning. Our everlasting Father, the opportunity to reveal to us who He really is. Just for a second this morning, let us redefine the lenses that we look at Jesus, the the everlasting Father, for this Christmas. Let's do this and not think of Him as an earthly relationship Father, but let's just look at Him through the everlasting Father, the mighty God that He really is, the wonderful counselor, and as we find out this Christmas Eve, the Prince of Peace. Let's look at him through the lens of Scripture because when we do that, we are going to see an everlasting Father and maybe that you've never seen before. Because when we look at Jesus as our everlasting Father through the lenses of Scripture, and please write this down and don't ever forget it. When we look at him through this lens of Scripture, we're going to see an everlasting Father who is full of compassion. Who is full of compassion. An everlasting Father who is compassionate. You see, Psalms 103.8 says this, and it says it very clearly and boldly. It says, Jesus, our everlasting Father, the Lord is what? Say this with me. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is what? Come on, say it with me, church. Slow to anger, abounding in what? He's abounding in love. 
Did you hear that? He is compassionate. He is slow to anger and he's abounding in love. One of the most amazing moments that I have to experience in my life and others, when others experience it around me is that moment when we realize there is nothing that we can do, not a single thing, zilch, nada, nothing that we can do to try our work to earn God's love. Because he is compassionate. He's giving it away. He is gracious. And he is slow to anger. Not many things get him upset. He just wants a relationship with you. He's abounding full of love in all things. And as many of you are sitting here today, you've had to perform at a high level to just to feel compassion or love from your dad or for other people. And you've performed because you didn't believe people would accept you for who you are. And you've taken that same approach into your relationship with Christ. And you've been working like crazy. And you've been working it. You go to church. You serve. You read your Bible. You pray. Not because, you know, you you, want to grow more. Because you've been working it. You're overwhelmed with grace in your life. but, But because you feel like you have to do these things to work. Because deep down inside, God doesn't really accept you for who you are. For that love that he generally shoves out. You just don't know how to receive it. But he's compassionate. And you've been working it. And I want these words of Jesus to speak to you. Check this out. He says to those who, who, who are trying to perform to earn God's love for this moment, he says this in Matthew. This is coming straight out of Jesus' mouth. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Come to me who are weary and burdened, and I will give this what? I will give you what? I will give you rest. A lot of you just need to rest in his loving arms. There's nothing better than my relationship with my kids when they get to crawl up in my arms and I get to hold them and embrace them and we get to sit there and what? Rest on a Sunday afternoon. There's nothing better. Or a nighttime when we get to watch a movie together. There's nothing greater. Or maybe even fall asleep and just hold each other because they know this is a safe place to be. Some of you need to come and enjoy the Father who's got his arms stretched out this wide and just embrace him for everything that he is trying to embrace you with, the compassion, the grace, and the love that's abounding. And he goes on to say this, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So it's much more deeper than just this, this earthly body, there's something internally. Rest, just rest, just rest. Stop trying to do everything right. Live a life that glorifies God, but stop trying to do everything right because you think God doesn't accept you. Through your relationship with Christ, he accepts you. And there's nothing, there's nothing that we can do. God cannot love you any more or any less than he already does. So just rest in him. When we look at him, Jesus, as our everlasting father, through the lenses of scripture, we're going to see that that he is our everlasting father who is compassionate. We're going to see that he is an everlasting father who cares. He cares. This is God speaking to you and to me, and this is God speaking to you and to me. And I feel this simply because he's not angry and he will never abuse you. He is speaking to you and he's speaking to me. And let me just internalize this for a moment because the truth comes back into the Old Testament. And if you know Jeremiah's prophet as well, he's Jeremiah 29, 11, he says this. It's my wife's favorite verse. 
It says this in 2911. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If there's just one thing that you need to get today, it's to get this. If there's just one thing that you need to wrap your arms around, I want you to know that Jesus is your everlasting Father, that He is compassionate and He does care for you, and He has a plan for you to give you a hope and to give you a future to prosper you. Everlasting. We look at him through the lenses of Scripture and we see that Jesus is an everlasting Father who is incredibly compassionate, caring beyond what we could comprehend. And when we look at Jesus, our everlasting Father, through the lens of Scripture, we're going to see an everlasting Father who is always there. Who is always there. He's always there. And it doesn't matter if you come to church ever again. It doesn't matter. I know it sounds weird to say that, but it doesn't matter if you'd ever come to church again. It doesn't matter if you, if you never read your Bible again. It doesn't matter if you never pray again, if, if you're going to full, a full, fully just start to dishonor God. It doesn't matter if you mess your marriage up completely. It, it doesn't matter if you, if you go do everything wrong from here on, because this is the truth. He is always there waiting for you. He is always there. He's compassionate. He's loving. He's, he's waiting for you to turn your heart. There's the big difference. And if you don't believe me, believe him. Because this is what he says. It says in Hebrews 13, 5. This is Jesus speaking to you and to me. And this is not the words of an opinion of a man. This is the everlasting father. And I want you to realize when he read this, when we read this together, what is the first word that he says in this verse? He says that I will what? Never will I leave you. Never will I leave you. It says keep your lives free from the love of money and content with, the, with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And, and this, this words in quotation marks, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Last time I checked out the word never is what? The definition is never. Never will he abandon you. He, you, we can run away, we can walk away from it, but I'm telling you, he is right here, he is right now. He is ready and willing to usher in the presence of the Holy Spirit into your life if you just open up yours. If you're sitting here today, and I, and I want you to know this, if, if life has dealt you a blow after blow, and, and you're just kind of confused, and you're just sitting out here in left field wondering, that's just Christmas, it's like we just talked about that little video before where people don't even know the real meaning of Christmas anymore because it's sort of distorted with everything. But you've just gone down this road of going to church and, and you're just working to get a relationship and it's not really personable because it's all head knowledge, not heart knowledge. And now you've just been attacked because you've, just, you've, built, you've, you've, you've built up this little empire of, of cards of, of what Jesus looks like. But that one card at the very bottom of the deck got pulled out and when that one card gets pulled out, the whole house of cards come tumbling down. And these lenses that we start to look through and we sort of build everything around has just completely fallen apart. And you've been beat up and you've taken blow after blow after blow. And maybe you're bleeding at your knees and you're bleeding at your elbows. And, and no one, you know, nobody sitting around you right now knows the, the life that you've been dealt and the blows that you've experienced and the pain that you're going through right now. But I want to tell you this. 
when you go running and, and you go screaming and, and you, you run around jumping into the arms of your everlasting father, he's going to whisper into your ear. He's going to pray for you. He's going to calm you. He's going to give you the peace. He will hold you and he will never, ever, ever let you go. Never. He's never going to let you go nor stop looking for you because he wants this type of relationship to be everlasting. Not some toy that's going to fade away in 10 years, 15 years. This is an everlasting thing, but you have to make a choice. You've got to start to come back to him. There's a beautiful story that sort of allows us to experience this. And most of you know it as the prodigal son. It's found in Luke 15, verses 21 through 24, but it describes a story, if you don't know the story, it describes a story of a son who leaves his father and was actually kind of distant with him for quite some time in his relationship. And the father, you know, wanted this relationship to be strong, but the son didn't. And the son left, and he was intentional about it, and he continued to put distance between him and his father, who cared for him deeply. Now, we don't know some of the details about the story, but, but we do know this, that one day the son realized how distant he was from his father and how good he had it when he was so close to his father. But right now we, we start to see where he, he is just stuck in, in this yuck and in the sin and he was lying in and he decided to come back home because there was no better place than to come back home, to be in his father's arms. And so after a long, hard journey home, his father was waiting for him, and he was searching. He, and he first saw him, and he, he took off running to embrace the son. And the first conversation that they had sort of went like this in verse 21 of chapter 15 of Luke. The son just said to him, he said, Father, I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against heaven, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. In verse 22, it says, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For the son of mine was dead, is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they begin to celebrate. I don't know if you heard that. But I want to read that verse 24 one more time. For the son of mine, or the daughter of mine, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So let's celebrate. You see, he is an everlasting father today, tomorrow, and for eternity when we turn our hearts back to him. When we go running back home to those loving arms that are stretched out and that are never going to turn on you never going to abandon you, never stop loving you. As much as you try to put distance in between him, he's never going to do that. The amazing thing is he came in the form of a baby sent by love to love you and to love me so we could look through the lenses of love and see what the best Abba Ad looks like, a father for eternity that's never going to let you go because he's a good, good father. And he came to change the atmosphere. He came to change everything that we know simply through love. The question is, is do you believe it? The question is, is where's your heart? The question is today, do, do you do every, all this stuff just to come to church, just to be around and participate and say, oh yeah, I know, or do you really know? 
Have you really experienced this love that's so abounding, so gracious, and so powerful that can change Christmas for you and for me? Because a changed life goes around changing others simply because you have figured out who Abba Odd is. And so that's what I want to do. As we sort of gear up and we sort of just dive into Christmas, Eve, Eve, I want to challenge you right now. The worship team is going to come and we're just going to worship. We're going to do things a little different right now. We're just going to try to, to usher in the Holy Spirit in a way. We're not trying to manipulate anything. I, I just want you to sit. I want you to enjoy what God's getting ready to do. If you feel like standing, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. If you want to come up to the altar, you can come to the altar. If you want to just pray, you can pray. But I want you to be completely, brutally honest with yourself. Do you know Abba Ad, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the one who literally is ushering in this word called love because he first loved us enough to send a son, a baby in a manger to carry out a daunting task because of love, because of you, because of me. Because there is no other relationship that matters. There's no other thing in the face of this earth that matters. There's a lot of things that are going to fade away over time. But his love won't do that. I wish I could say something so powerful right now that it's just the aha moment for you and for me. But I'm going to leave that up for the Holy Spirit. And so I'm just going to pray that you just start to experience it in a way that redefines your relationship. And so Jesus, as we begin to worship and we sing a couple songs and we just dive into what you're trying to do through us right now in this Christmas season, I just pray that our hearts turn. Just like the prodigal son, that we turn and we run and we confess and we say, Father, we've sinned against you. I'm distant. I'm not really in it. And he whispers back. He whispers back. He says, I love you. Bring the, bring the ring. Bring the robe. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate Christmas for the very first time for the real reason why we celebrate. It's because of you. It's because of me. It's because you first loved us enough to allow us to experience this moment. Abba Ad. What it's going to feel like to do this for the rest of our lives. Abba Ad, an everlasting love. So Jesus, move. For those who have ears to hear, let them hear. For those who have hearts that can turn, allow them to turn. Jesus, I thank you so much for being Abba Ad.